deserve public apologies. So allow me to apologize to you, Nora, after all of your preparation, all of that video stuff, that's all on me. It's not our men back there. I was trying to call up my sermon notes to pray over what I was going to say. So uh, all the fault lies right here. I know that you worked hard, and I know that our guys were following along closely. So grace. <laughs> Cattle? <laughs> Moo? Is that what I heard from that uh, Hereford uh, farmer over there? <laughs> oh. All right, thank you. <laughs> well, it was some time back that the Moody Magazine told the story of a guy named George Mason. Mason, his life was consumed by his work. He lived alone, which then only contributed to his work addiction. And although he had a few friends, each Christmas he received several invitations to spend Christmas Day with the family. But he always declined the offers. This particular Christmas, told in the magazine, was no exception. On Christmas Eve, after all of his employees left, George Mason went into the office vault to get a little extra cash. To his shock, the heavy door of the walk-in safe shut behind him. Desperately, he pounded on the steel door, but no one was around to hear. Even the custodian had left early to do some last-minute Christmas shopping. And this lonely miser then consoled himself, Well, I, I can make it all right until morning. But suddenly he realized that it was Christmas Eve. No one would be coming in for two days. And he panicked as he tried to figure out if there would be sufficient oxygen in the vault. Then he remembered that the vault had recently been installed and was supposed to have a safety air hole built in somewhere. He felt around in the dark and eventually found the emergency feature in a corner near the floor. On the day after Christmas, early in the morning, the chief cashier arrived and as was his routine, he opened the vault and went on with his business. He didn't bother to look inside. After all, it's the day after Christmas. Nothing would be inside of there. No one would be inside of there. So George Mason, exhausted, faint, hungry, and thirsty, exited the human-sized safe without being spotted. And by the time he went home, showered and dressed, and returned to the office, no one suspected a thing. Life went on as usual, except for one thing. George Mason had missed Christmas. He missed Christmas because a door slammed behind him. But unfortunately, people all around us miss Christmas each year. Because they never get around to shutting the door on the pressures of life. 
If your Christmas calendar has left your world in a spin, can I suggest that you add a Christmas greeting to your world? This Christmas greeting is Noel. And if you add Noel to your spinning world, all you have left is to look at the word, which indeed is a message of Christmas. Many of us experience the rush of the holidays, and and we even enjoy the love of family and friends. But many of us never encounter the living God. The living word of God. I invite you to listen to these theologians as they debate how they see the word in our world. An angel came to see Mary. She was doing laundry and then the angel just appeared and she was really scared. So Gabriel was like, Mary, you're going to have, what, I can't can't say good. Mary, you're going to have a baby. You're going to have a baby, and you'll call him Jesus. And then Mary was like, I'm not going to have a baby yet. I'm only a teenager, I'm not married. Then the angel Gabriel told Joseph that Mary is not lying. You are having a new baby. And so they met up. They went to Bethlehem, which was Joseph's old town. They ride a donkey. (laughs) A camel. Oh, yeah, a camel. She said, this donkey's fast. (laughs) They tried to go to a hotel, and they asked the keeper um, for a place to stay. The keeper said, we have no rooms. Literally, no rooms. (laughs) So Mary... And Joseph walked away sadly, but then he said, The only place in here in Bethlehem that, that you can stay, stay is a staple. And then he just pointed the way and they followed. When the shepherds were taking care of the sheep, and then they saw angels. The angels said, A new baby is get, getting born who is king of the Jews. The angel were singing. And then the shepherd said, I think we should go there and meet him. The second, I think, said, yeah, I agree with you. And the other said, yeah, me too. They had to walk through a bunch of grass and bushes, maybe have to camp out a night. And then the wife got it. And then a star appeared. Well, we should probably follow that star. It's pointing down to the barn. So maybe we should follow it. Maybe. So the wise men went to Jesus. They gave them gifts. A stuffed animal, like a hippo one, to have at home. Some diapers, and some wipes, and some milk, some shoes, some Jordans. Gold, Frank, and Latimer. And I don't know how I would survive in that barn. Too stinky, too crowded, and ugh. I think he probably because the room is very smelly. Thank you for coming. He's adorable. 
He's gonna be our best friend. I love you and you're the best baby I ever seen. There, I said it. <laughs> the new baby is gonna change the world. Well, hopefully that telling of the story will help us recapture some of the wonder of the word made flesh. For many, the holidays, though, set up a time of depression. We convince ourselves that we don't deserve peace, love, or joy. We emotionally build a fortress around us so that we miss Christmas just like George Mason. But what if God sees something in you that is worth loving? Something in you that would benefit from peace. Or something in you that would be blessed by joy. Shepherds in the ancient world held little social influence much like cowboys or ranchers today. The livestock did not always smell like a fresh shower. The demands of a 24-7 flock or herd forced them to miss many family gatherings. But shepherds were generally dismissed as insignificant. But God saw something better in the shepherds than the world that was around them. And because God saw something in them that was better than others saw, God himself sent a heavenly choir. Luke chapter 2, And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. In this story, we see the creator becoming a creature. The almighty God of eternity, the one who spoke everything into existence, became a creature himself. The word became a speechless baby. And this great event, this great turning of all history, where the creator became the creature, was first announced to shepherds. Shepherds were not only socially distant, they were ceremonially unclean. Because of the ceremonial rules, they were not allowed to go to the temple without a time of purification. And so these, literally, these dirty shepherds were out in the field. 
Their duties of tending to the sheep, I believe these were sacrificial lambs, their duties prevented them from following the procedures that would lead to ceremonial purification and cleanliness. And so because they were always on the fringe of society, many times the shepherds were considered shady characters. As a matter of fact, since they were considered shady, they weren't even allowed to testify in a court of law. And so those who were ceremonially unclean, those who were unfit to testify, those who stunk, were on the fringes of society, God breaks in and he gives them a message of his grace. Unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the King. See, there are times when we consider ourselves unworthy or unfit. And God says, I bring you a gospel of grace. And grace is never merited. We never deserve grace. That's what makes grace, grace. Unto you, yes, even you, is born a Savior. I find it interesting as as we think about shepherds in the field watching a flock of sheep, that Jesus came as both the good shepherd and as the Lamb of God. Both the one who leads the sheep and the one who is the sheep. Some have speculated, and I tend to agree, that these shepherds were actually watching the sacrificial lambs. They were watching over the very lambs that would have their blood spilt as a covering for sin. And as they watched these lambs to make sure that they never broke a bone, that they never got a cut in the briars, as they carefully watched over these special lambs, God sent a messenger to them that says, Unto you is born not sacrificial lambs, unto you is born a Savior who is Christ the Lord. But notice that the angels who made this proclamation to the shepherds, they made a proclamation for all people. I know we can look at Genesis chapter 2, and I'm sorry, in Luke chapter 2, and in, in verse 14 we see Um, peace on earth among whom he is pleased. But we also see a Savior, which is Christ the Lord, for all peoples. In verses 10 and 11. See, the angels did not come announcing a salvation that was just for high-class people. They did not come announcing a salvation that was only for a certain race. The peace that was made available to all people was a peace that Jesus himself would guarantee for all who would turn to him in trusting faith. You know, historically, 27 years earlier, the Pax Romana, the Roman peace, had been established. So this is not talking about some sort of a political peace. The political peace of the Roman Empire had already been in place for over two decades. 
So the angels were not proclaiming some sort of a political peace, not a political absence from war. They weren't proclaiming some sort of a truce. They were announcing true peace, God's peace, which is more than just an absence of conflict. You know what it's like to be in conflict with people that you love. And you know what it's like to live with an absence of conflict, but not necessarily an atmosphere of love. And so if you have conflict, absence of conflict, on top of that is a level of peace and tranquility. And it's that type of peace that the angels announced to the shepherds. I think perhaps many of us miss the divine in Christmas because we're so concerned with the external influences. We're concerned with the things that happen around us. Is the tree decorated? Are the lights on? Um, who's coming? Has, did the kids run the vacuum like I asked them to? All of these things that go along with preparation for the holiday sometimes distract us from the true holiday. See, the peace that the angels proclaimed, had very little to do with war between the nations. It had very little to do with the things of the world. It was a peace that's found in a person of Jesus. But around us, there are all sorts of distractions, things that clamor for your attention and for mine. Maybe you heard of the little boy who had a learning disability. And he worked really hard to keep up with the others who were in his classroom. But because of his unique challenges, he kept falling behind no matter how hard he tried. As a result, his backpack was crammed every night full of homework and there was no let up. He could no longer play outside with his friends after school, and by the time he had made a swipe at his schoolwork, it was time for bed. And so the parents consulted with the elementary school guidance counselor, and they decided that their son needed to be placed with a class of slower learners so that he did not have so much homework in the evening to keep up with the rest of the class. And when he was placed in this separate class, this third grader got his childhood back, complete with after-school play dates, positive self-esteem as he kept up with the others, and grades, grades that matched the front end of the alphabet rather than the middle. Well, after several weeks, this little boy who had been reassigned at school asked his father if his father would play with him after dinner. And day after day, week after week, this young boy received the same response from his dad. I'm sorry, buddy. I have a briefcase full of work that I have to do. And after weeks of asking, Dad, can you play? And Dad said, no, I've got so much work I need to do. One day, the little boy says, well, Dad... Can't they put you in a slower class too? Sometimes we just need to walk away from the busyness to be in the moment. What about you, moms and dads? 
Has your work become all-consuming? Or do we take time to encounter the divine, to enjoy the peace of God that the angels proclaimed? See, the choir gave the shepherds a message, but also God gave them a mission. The message of peace has come quickly turned into a mission. Because God did not only send a choir, but God sent them on a quest. For as a matter of fact, it says in verse 15, When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing which has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondered them in her heart, and the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had seen as it had been told them. In some translations of the Bible, this says, let us go even to Bethlehem. In other words, shepherds didn't just load up in the dually and go into Casey's. When the shepherds needed to go someplace, it was a journey. It was a quest to go and to see the things that the shepherd had told them. It may have been some distance. We don't know. It just says in the field there were shepherds, so we don't know which field and how close or how far it may have been. We don't know if it was convenient. The fact that some translations say, let us go even to Bethlehem, implies to me that it was a chore as they went on this quest. But as they went, even as far away as Bethlehem, to find the child, verse 16 tells us that they found the newborn baby. Not just that they saw him, but they found him. In my mind, the word find implies searching. It's not that they just happened upon the baby. It's not that they just saw the baby as if there were road signs that took you right to the stable. This word implies that after a search, they found the Christ child. They knew what to look for, and they applied the effort to pursue after it. And so if we know what to look for this Advent season, if we know to look for the peace of God, if we know to look for the love of God, if we, look to, if we know to look for the joy that is only available in a right relationship with Christ, then we need to apply the proper uh, initiative to pursue it. And to not allow all of the activities and all of the decoration and all of the demands to crowd out the thing that we should be searching for. They found the newborn baby. And when they found the baby, then they acted upon faith with the proper amount of obedience. Let, they, they, they heard from the angels what we should do, and they said, okay, let's obey. Let's do what they told us to do. 
The angels told them what to look for, and then they went to verify what was there. And as the angels declared to the shepherds, Hark, herald the angel sings, I see that the angels are replaced by the shepherds as the bearers of good news. After the shepherds saw the baby Jesus, God didn't continue to send angels to announce. Once God announced to the shepherds, they saw it for themselves, and they became the bearers of the glad tidings of great joy. God chose to entrust the mission to ordinary shepherds. And there are some today who are looking for a sign in the sky or they're looking to hear a voice from God. And the reality is is that the voice of the angels and the host of starry hosts was replaced by common shepherds, country folk, who simply told what they had seen. Now, I don't want to leave this sermon as a lesson from a Judean field 2,000 years ago. For it's very clear that God saw something in the shepherds that they didn't see in themselves. God saw something in the shepherds that the rest of society did not see in them. God saw something better in the shepherds. And my friend, I believe today, as you are listening to the Word of God, as you are hearing the Spirit of God, God is telling you that He views you in a way that will lead to a better Christmas than you even imagined. Because God has entrusted to us a commission. He sent a choir, he sent them on a quest, and he entrusted to us a commission. The commission that he sends to us is, in in some ways today, I realize I'm preaching to the choir. You are the ones who chose to get up, most of you, took a shower, all of you got dressed, and we came here to be together with God's people to praise God and to enjoy the fellowship that is here. So I realize you have already chosen some specific obedience in order to be here. You're the ones who are pursuing an encounter with the divine. You didn't come this morning simply to hear a sermon. You didn't come just to sing songs. You came this morning hoping, trusting to encounter the divine in some way that you could not do at home or in a tree stand or in a shopping mall. Because we long for that even better Christmas where the activity falls away and the divine takes center stage. But in order for us to replace the activity with the divine, it requires intentionality. Sitting in a doctor's office will not make you well. I won't experience health unless I act upon his prescription. Sitting in a restaurant won't satisfy your hunger. You have to take in the meal. And my friend, sitting in a church won't eliminate 
your despair. Now, I know that I may be unusual, and I'm probably the only person that ever does this. But I have been known once or twice to physically be in one place while my mind is hundreds of miles away. I may be sitting in a restaurant with my family, but my mind is in that counseling appointment that I have later in the afternoon. My wife may be sitting less than five feet from me, but if I'm reading the newspaper or watching the news or the chiefs are on TV... Sometimes I really don't recall what she says. Physically, I'm there, but mentally, I'm miles away. And I'm guessing there might be one, maybe two of you this morning that are like that. Physically, you're here, but your mind is miles away. You're sitting among God's people. You're singing great carols. You're hearing the word of God proclaimed, but your mind is focused on that gift that's on sale at J. Roberts. And this morning, you've not encountered the divine because the activities and the stresses distract. Just as the shepherds intentionally left their flocks and went to find Jesus, I'm calling on each of us today to set aside the temporary concerns of work, shopping, social obligations, and to seek a face-to-face interaction with the God who became one of us. Poor George Mason. Remember him? When he finally pushed the door open and walked away from the vault, no one ever knew that he had actually missed Christmas because he had isolated himself from others. And when he was unintentionally partitioned off, no one even noticed. Unless we intentionally close the door on business as usual to seek an encounter with the God of Christmas, we may very well find ourselves locked out of the very thing that we long for. A season of wonder unlike any other. God does not wish for you to be isolated. He sees something better in you. He sees you as his ambassador. And as he saw the shepherds as worthy of the mission, he sees you as worthy of the mission. For we read in 2 Corinthians 5, Therefore we are ambassadors for Christ. God is making his appeal through us. Paul says, We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. As God's representative this morning, I implore you, if you have never done so, be reconciled to Christ. It's as simple as ABC that is printed in our bulletin every week. Admit your sin, believe in Christ, and confess Him as your Lord. If you have been reconciled to God, we are now His ambassadors. I remind you that we don't have to be impressive in order to be used. He's given us that job as representatives. 
1 Corinthians 1 says, Consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many of you were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in this world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. It's time for us to stop disregarding ourselves and to realize that God sees something better in us. God sees something more useful in us. God is not waiting for Christian athletes or actors or musicians or politicians to proclaim the gospel. He sees better and he is using us as his representatives in Chase County. It's not somebody on the television that's going to win your neighbor. It's not somebody who's going to be a DVD mailed to your neighbor that's going to impress them with the gospel. Our neighbors will be touched by the salt and light that we bring into our neighborhoods. I gave 2 Corinthians 5 a few moments ago, but before we get to verse 20, we read that all of this comes from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself, and he gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, but entrusting to us the ministry of reconciliation. God sees something so valuable in you that he's chosen you as his missionary to your neighborhood. We're going to conclude this morning by singing a song that's a slight adaptation to an old carol. Because Chase County doesn't have many mountains, we're not going to go tell it on the mountain. But we do have prairies, and we have hills, and we have draws. So I invite you to stand with me at this time as we commit ourselves to go tell it on the prairie. Stand with me as we sing.